Second uh, Samuel chapter 23. Amen. Going to start in verse number eight. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 23. Going to start in verse eight. You know, I find myself here as of late, um, as we have kind of worked our way through the Bible reading, and I'm not going to ask if we're up to up to date or up to where we need to be on it. But all I'm saying is, as I go through it, Amen. God kind of just kind of. Little things just kind of jump out and pop out. And so um, what better opportunity to preach on something that more than likely you've read here recently. And uh, so it kind of works good that way. So um, and so hopefully it's a familiar story, familiar passage, passages of Scripture. And so, amen, let's just go along for the ride tonight. Second Samuel chapter 23, verse number eight, uh, reading down through verse number 12. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The, the, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his, his spear against 800, whom he slew at one time. After, and after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, and of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. And the Philistines, Philistines were gathered together into a troop. There was a piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. And slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Amen. Praise God. David's mighty men. I know we've heard this probably preached. I've heard, uh, heard this story. But tonight, amen, let's bring it down to a place, amen, where we can apply it to our lives. Amen. I would title this message tonight, Characteristics of Mighty Men. Amen. Characteristics of Mighty Men. Man, let's pray together one more time and ask God to have his way here. Lord, we ask you, Jesus, to anoint this word, to anoint our hearts, to receive the word of God. I pray you just anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive that it would fall upon, the word would fall upon good soil of our hearts tonight. Anoint my lips tonight to preach this word unto your people. God, I pray, let it me speak as though you have spoken through me, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and believe you tonight in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God, praise God. Amen. If you're going to preach, hold on. If you're going to preach with me tonight, you can maybe be seated. Amen. Some of y'all jumping the gun. It's like we've said this before or something. It's like we've been, you know, it's like we let you sit down when we preach. Praise God. Characteristics of mighty men. Amen. We read through this story and we understand, and again, this isn't the first time I don't believe you've ever heard the story preached about David's mighty men. And uh, hopefully you've recently read through it. But as I read through this, um, as I begin to read through this, God began to kind of put some things in my heart and my thought process. Amen. About the mighty men of David. Amen. His mighty men. Praise God. Amen. We read in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 21 where David flees from Saul. Amen. We understand. We go back. I'm not going to retell the whole story of Saul and David 
Amen. But Saul becomes very angry, and there's, some, there's an evil spirit against David that comes in the heart of Saul. Amen. And he tries to kill and murder, and that's his, that's his, uh, that's his devi- uh, desire, desire, if you will, is to murder David. Amen. This kingdom had already been taken from him. Amen. And it was going to be given to uh, David. And so he is after him, trying to kill him. And so he's, David is on the run. Amen. And we find, amen, this beginning in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 22, verse number 1, we find where David's men are gathered to him, all of his men. We just read a story of three of his mightiest men, amen, but of his mighty men, of the men that David had closest to him during this time, those that, he, that was with him during this uh, dark time in his life, he was on the run, amen, for his life. And so we read in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 22 and verse number uh, one, it says, David therefore departed thence as he was leaving again in verse uh, in tw- chapter 21, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him and everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them. And there were were with him about 400 men. Amen. So this is the mass group that is surrounding David. Amen. We find find out here in the scripture uh, uh, who these men are. So let's take a a quick look, amen, so that we can understand uh, a little bit more about the three mighty men that we just read about in 2 Samuel. Amen. So let's take a quick look at these uh, these, uh, the men that are surrounding him. Uh, uh, first off, first off, uh, we read that, uh, whenever David's leaving and he's, he's going away, that these men are his brethren and that are all in his father's house that had heard it. They came unto him. Amen. So these weren't strangers. These weren't people that were just they were people who knew David. I don't know if we ever understand that totally or not, but they were his brethren and members of his father's house. Amen. These weren't just uh, random wayfaring men. Some of them were, but they were a part of, amen, the Davidic uh, family and, and, his, and, his, and his history there. Amen. But all of them that came, uh, they were of, in distress uh, and you really, uh, again, the word of distress really means they were just, uh, they were under stress or they were under anguish. Amen. If you will, they had, a, they were just under a lot of pressure of life. And there, there was, there was something in their, in their life that they were, uh, was straining them. If you will, they were stressed to the max in their life. There was, there was one, there wasn't peace in their life. So there were those that came that were under distress and there were some that were indebted. Amen. And I, this doesn't, you know, many times we think, ah, oh, they went out and were ignorant with their money. No, they, they were, they, they owed money to someone. It wasn't necessarily because of, uh, of a bad uh, um, financial, it may have been a fi- bad financial decision, but, uh, but somebody either uh, had taken money from them or they owed money in some form or fashion. So these men, uh, these men probably had their land taken from them maybe have had their children uh, sold to help pay for debts. These uh, men also, um, their family, their sons, uh, they had nothing. 
Amen. Everything that they had, uh, they, they had fallen upon hard times. Amen. And they owed, uh, they owed money for some reason. These people, uh, life wasn't easy. They had nowhere to lay, call their own. They had no hope. They had no home of their own because more than likely they had given it to the one, amen, that had exacted it from them, that had taken it from them because of the debt that they owed. Amen. So these are those uh, that were surrounding him, those that were discontented. And this here really kind of spoke to my heart, amen, to the depth uh, of who these people really were. This word discontent is really two Hebrew words that mean sad of soul. Sad of soul. Amen. These are some people who had experienced extremely deep disappointment and sorrow in their life. Amen. These weren't people just were upset. And that's what many times we, under, we take. I want to tell you that this, this is a little deeper understanding. These people, amen, had major disappointment in their life. Amen. Uh, the word also could be used here, bitter. Amen. Could be used to describe these men in such a way, not, not because they were, it's just, it's like a, that you taste something that's bitter and there's a taste on your mouth. It's just the remembrance of that situation, the remembrance, amen, of the disappointment, whatever circumstances, amen, in their life, they were discontented. There was sorrow. There was a depth of sorrow in their heart and in their soul. Amen. Amen. There was a taste of disappointment on their lips. These were the mighty men. This was the mass of men that had come, amen, to uh, the man David. Amen. So this word discontent, I, I want to kind of expand this just a little bit. And I want us to understand uh, this, this, this concept a little bit because it helps us to understand, uh, again, these men. So let's take a sidestep for just a minute and let's talk about Hannah. Uh, this was uh, a woman that was barren. Amen. Her husband was Elkanah, and she was a woman that was barren. God had closed up her womb. Amen. And so she, to, or as, as these men were discontented or bitter, if you will, amen, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Amen. Verse number 9 and 10 says, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post in the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul. Just as the men, amen, that were with David, that's the same exact word that was used. They were, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Amen. That feeling, amen, of, of barrenness, that feeling, I'm telling you, there was a deep sorrow in Hannah's life, just as something situation in the lives of these men. There were those that there was a depth of despair, something so longing in their heart. Amen. But somehow they cling to the man, David. But being barren, amen, was accounted a severe punishment for a Jewish woman. Amen. That's just the way it was back then. Uh, they counted that as a punishment and, and they took it was a deeper meaning. Amen. To them, it was more of almost a judgment uh, from God in a way. It was, it was, a, it was like a, a punishment on, on her life. Amen. However, being barren alone did not cause her bitterness of soul. There was more to her story than her bitterness and her barrenness that created that depth of sorrow in her life. Amen. We read, if we go, amen. If we read, we just read verse 9 and 10 and read of her bitterness of soul. If you back up to verse number 4 through 8, we read this story. It says, and when the time was that Elkanah offered, 
He gave to Penene, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters, portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her, shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went into the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? And am better, and I am I not better to thee than ten sons? Amen. And she says by him, there was a bitterness, amen, of her soul. Her discontentment, if you will, her bitterness within her soul, amen, was a constant reminder, amen. There was a constant reminder. Not only was she barren, amen, not only could she not bear children, amen, but there was a constant, amen, a provoker, if you will, or an adversary of the failure, of the, of, the, of, the, of the womb in her that was barren, amen. It was more than her barrenness. There was something there that was year, amen, after year reminding her of her failure, reminding her of her curse, reminding her, amen, of her, her not good enough status, if you will. It was constant. Year after year, her adversary reminded her, you can't because you're barren. Every year, I'm telling you, this wasn't a moment. This wasn't a week. This was, this was year in and year out. She was discontented. There was bitterness of her soul, not because of just the barrenness, but the constant reminder, amen, from her adversary. You're barren. Stop reminding me. Stop telling me. I know I am. But every year she would hear the voice. You're barren. You're no good. You're not able to bear. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. She was discontented. I'm telling you, this people that were with David were discontented. It was more than they were just having troubles in life. There was something deep in the heart of these men. Amen. That went well beyond. There was something that said, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. But they clung to David. They said, you know what? He's our only hope. That I, I have the only way that I'm going to be, I'm going to just cling, amen, to the man, amen, that's going to lead us. Hallelujah. Amen. She'd try to go to church, but each time, every year she'd go, amen, she was met with the same adversary. You're not good enough. You're broken. You're a broken person. You're not complete. You're unworthy. Amen. He says she went up year after year to church. She went into the house of God every year. And that's where the adversary met her every year. It doesn't say throughout the year. It says when she tried to go and worship, when she tried to get some joy, when she tried to get some peace. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. When she walked into the house of God, her adversary met her at the door and said, remember, you're barren. Don't forget you're barren. Don't even try to worship. Hey, I'm telling you, you're barren. You're no good. You're worthless and you're broken. And every time she began to get bitterness and her heart began to sink. Every time she come to church, it's supposed to be a place of joy and peace. But every time I walk in the door, I feel discouraged. And every time I come into the house of God, my reminder is there of my failure. And my reminder, a reminder is there from my adversary. He meets me every time I walk into the house of God. Something about Hannah. 
Amen. She was discontented. It began, it developed a discontent in her heart, but she prayed. Amen. We can read how she prayed to God and she, she just prayed and sought after God. Amen. She didn't stop going to the house of God. She didn't stop seeking the face of God. She continued and she prayed. She made a commitment to God. She said, God, I promise you, I commit everything to you. If you give me a child, I'll dedicate that child his whole life to you. Lord, just make me be fruitful. God, whatever, whatever fruit comes forth out of my life, I'm going to dedicate it to you. Anything that I can produce, I'm dedicating it to you. I promise, I commit, just make me fruitful. And God, I'll give it to you. I'm telling you, you know what? There comes a point in a heart of discontent. If you can get to a place that says, God, I'm tired, I'm miserable, but God, whatever good, whatever joy, whatever, anything you can make out of this, God, I'm giving it to you. Amen, I'm telling you, discontented. Amen, I'm telling you, even tonight, amen, I'm believing that someone somewhere, amen, on the sound of my voice, maybe online, I don't know, amen, but there's discontent. Amen, you just put a name to it. You just put, God's just put a name on what you're feeling. God's just put a name to what you're struggling with. Amen. It's discontent. Amen. There's a bitterness of soul. There's something deep. There's something, there's a, there is a wound in there. There is a, there is something, amen, that every time you walk into the house of God, there's an adversary that says you're broken and you're barren. But she prayed. She pressed on. Amen, I'm telling you what, amen, her perseverance. When you cry out to God and when you pray and you can commit and say, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm not backing away. I'm not quitting. She could have stopped going to the house. You know what? She could have sat home and said, you know what? I don't hear that voice at home. I don't hear that voice right here in my living room. Amen, but she said, every time I go to church, I hear the voice and I hear that, 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 that voice telling me, but you know what? I'm still going to the house of God. I'm still finding my way, amen, to a place of God. I'm gonna go and offer up a sacrifice anyway. I'm going to go and offer up a sacrifice unto God anyway. Amen. And in her process she prayed, God, amen, I need you. I give everything to you. And God heard her. Amen. And God allowed her to conceive. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And she conceived. Amen. And within her womb was the child Samuel. The young child, amen, that grew up to anoint King Saul. The prophet that grew up to anoint King David. Amen. Because one woman said, I don't care. I'm going to keep coming to the house of God. A discontented, barren woman that come into the house of God year after year that says, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I don't care what the voice in my head tells me. Amen. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm continuing to press forward. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, God's telling you, amen, through the word tonight, just keep moving. Just keep coming to the house of God and giving him praise. I know you feel discontented. I know you feel broken. I know you feel hurt in your heart heart, something deep down, you've been wounded, amen, you don't understand the pain, the hurt, you don't get it, but don't stop coming to the house of God, because when you cry out to him, he'll answer you, and you'll conceive, and God will heal the wounds, amen, as discontented, amen, I'm telling you, as discontented, amen, as she was, as disheartened as she was of her barrenness, when she conceived, amen, listen to what happened in 1 Samuel, Chapter 1 and 
verse number 24, when she had weaned him, Samuel had been born, and she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. I'm telling you, Hannah was about to have a revival. She was on her way to church. Amen. She was on her way to the house of God with her child. She was on the way to the house of God, not barren anymore. She was on the way to the house of God, healed, amen, and delivered, amen. And they slew the bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. She's testifying, Brother Brandon. She was going to church. She says, I got a testimony. I got to tell somebody what happened. I was that woman that was barren year after year. I've got something to say. I'm telling you tonight, keep preaching or keep listening to the word of God, hearing and believing the preaching of the word of God. Amen. Because someday you're going to stand and say, hey, I was that woman. I was that barren person. I was discontented in my life. But here I am. Amen. Praying unto the Lord for this child. I prayed and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I've lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. I'm telling you, this trip to the church house was unlike any before. This trip to church was any, like any other before. Amen. No doubt she was probably whistling with little Samuel. Come on, son. Woo. We're on our way to church. We're going to the house of God. We're going to worship, son. Smile on her face. Amen. Her shoulders back, excited about what's happening. She wasn't coming barren. She was coming barren, her child. Amen. Coming in with him in hand. Hallelujah. Amen. She was getting him ready for church. Uh, come on, let's get your shoes on. Let's get your tie on. You look so cute. Uh, oh, we're going to come into the house of the Lord, and I'm going to show you off to everybody. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to show off the, the promise. Uh, amen. She put on her shouting shoes. Uh, amen. She prepared an offering. Amen. She might have even skipped to church. Hallelujah. As she made her way in the house of the Lord. Something had changed in Hannah. Hallelujah. Oh, she still came. Yeah, she had come to the house of God as before. Amen. But you know what? God had heard her cry and God had healed her. Amen. And she came bearing the offspring of God. Hallelujah. What happened to her bitterness of soul? Where did it all go? What happened? Amen. Why, where did it go? Her sadness, her disappointment. What happened to it? Hallelujah. Oh, that all went away. It all went away. Because she just kept on trusting the Lord. Kept on being faithful to God, to the church house. She kept praying. She kept worshiping God. It didn't stop her from praying. It didn't discourage her from coming to the house of God. It didn't discourage her from a man worshiping and bringing an offering unto the Lord. Hallelujah. You notice something here in this story? You know who didn't show up this time when she walks into the house of God? You know who didn't decide to show up this time? You know the voice that's, not, that's uh, uh, absent from this scenario this time as she's standing there before Eli? You know who's not there anymore? You know whose voice is silenced at this very moment? Uh, amen. As Hannah came to church, uh, there was one that had been provoking her year after year that had vexed her soul. Amen. That was nowhere to be found. Hallelujah. This trip, uh, this time, amen. She walks in, uh, amen. 
And there's no voice. There's nobody, there's nobody provoking her because it was the voice of that one, amen, that created the, the bitterness of her soul. Something about faithfulness to God. Something about faithfulness to the house of God. Amen. I'm telling you, it'll wipe away. Amen. That bitterness of soul. Praise God. Amen. Where's God? Where's God? I don't know, but year after year, Hannah continued and went on. Amen. But one day, she got to a place and said, I offer up everything that I am. Everything that comes from my womb, I give to you, God. And God said, okay. Now I can heal your womb. Amen. And open it unto you. Maybe she wouldn't have before. Maybe it would have been a stumbling block. Maybe there would have been an issue. Maybe Samuel would have never been. Amen. But God needed Samuel. God needed a man. God needed a prophet. Amen. So he had to make sure Hannah, amen, was prepared. Made sure Hannah, amen. She had to go through a period of discontent. Amen. Before God could use her. Amen. So if you're in a time of despair and discontent, bitterness of soul, understand just one more service. Amen. Between one now and even in the end of this service tonight. Amen. There's some things that can change. Amen. There's some things that can take shape in your life. Amen. You can walk back into the house of God on Sunday. Amen. Whistling. Amen. And carrying. Amen. Hand in hand. Amen. That which God has given unto you. And he has heard your cry. Amen. I'm telling you what. God has a call and a purpose. He's got a design tonight for you and your life. Discontent. Discontented. The men, amen, that were with David, many of them were discontented. Hope you understand a little bit more about the men that were with David. Amen. They weren't just guys that were rough. They weren't guys that were just wayfaring men. These guys had major deep wounds and issues in their life. They had real life problems. Amen. Those that were in debt may have lost children to the debtor and lost their homes, lost their property. And there were some that were discontented and bitter of soul because there was something, there was an adversary there. Amen. Just kind of always there. There was a voice in their mind. These men came to David. Hallelujah. They had issues, distress, debt, discontent. They weren't strangers to David. Amen. They were his brethren. Amen. They were his brethren and those of his uh, father's, Jesse's house. Amen. As these men came and gathered, they were of his own household. They were of his own, his father's house. Amen. I'm telling you, we understand and know, amen, that David... Amen. Was of the tribe of Judah. Amen. David came. These men came from that lineage. These men were from that tribe. Jesse's family. Amen. These men. Amen. Though they were discontented. Amen. Though that they were all, all, all having issues with debt and, and distressed and had things going on in their life. Amen. They were men. Amen. These mighty men who surrounded David. Amen. Were men of Judah. They were men of Judah. It doesn't matter what uh, the situation in their life they still were men of Judah amen the Bible we understand that when we take a look at that word Judah amen that word is interpreted praise amen though they had discontent and though they had deep uh, bitter souls and wounds and though they had deadness and though they had this all, all these issues amen in the core uh, made up this men they were still men of praise they were still men 
amen, that had praise is their lineage. That was still who they were. That was still what made them up. Amen. I may be discontented, but I still got my praise. I may be, amen, indebted, amen, some way, somehow, but I still got my praise. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. That's who was surrounding. That's who David used. Amen. That's who came unto him. There were about 400 people. Amen. That were worthless, messed up, had things in their life. Amen. But they were men of praise. They were men of praise. They were men of Judah. They were men of Judah. They were men, amen, that knew how to give God praise. Praise the Lord. Those that came to David's rescue, they were the ones that were closest in relation to him. I'm telling you tonight, look around you. Look around you in this service. Look around you in this church. Amen. And understand that when you're in the run of your life, when you're in the running for your life, in the despair of your life, amen, it will be those sitting right next to you. I'm telling you, it's going to be those next to you, amen, that are going to have to come to your help and to your need, amen, and come to your aid, amen. I'm telling you, it's not going to be those from another tribe, those from, you don't go look at another church and another pastor and another uh, congregation. I'm telling you, look to your brothers and look to your sisters, amen, because God put them in your family and in your life to help you. And when you're discontented and when you're going through trials, amen, it's our church family that's going to help us get out of our troubles amen we're in the biggest heats of battle it's going to be our family it's going to be your church family hallelujah praise God I'm telling you amen all he had was 400 discontented in debt and stressed out men but he said hey they're my discontented they're my stressed out and they're my indebted men they're my brothers they're my sisters I'm going to look beyond their faults because I need their help I'm going to look beyond what I can see on the outside because I've got to have them if I'm going to win I've got to have them if I'm going to run from Saul I've got to have my brothers and sisters no matter what I see on the outside side. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, we need each other tonight. Amen. The only way you're going to survive, the only way you're going to make it, amen, is with the brother and the sister on the pew next to you. I don't care what you got between you. You need them. Oh, hallelujah. Don't look at their distress. Hallelujah. Don't look at their failures. Don't look at their weaknesses, their imperfections. Amen. But I'm telling you, Oh, hallelujah. What's going to help you through this? Some of the darkest, toughest times of your life will be surrounding yourself with these church people that you've known forever because they got a heritage of praise. Yeah, they're not perfect. Yeah, we've got issues. Yeah, but we know how to praise through it. We know how to worship God anyhow. Oh, we know how to give God glory anyhow. Saul's coming. The enemy's on. Yeah, I need you. I need your help. Go with me. These were the men that David surrounded himself with. I'm telling you, this is the foundational characteristic. This is a foundational characteristic of a mighty man or a woman is praise. We've got to have our praise. We can't lose 
or praise. Hannah didn't lose her praise and her worship just because she was going through life and struggles and there was an adversary on her tail. Neither did David. Amen. But I'm telling you, anyone, all 400 plus men that was with David, they could trace their lineage back to praise. I'm telling you tonight, if you're going to be a mighty man of God or a mighty lady of God, amen, you better, amen, go back and re, uh, reconnect with your lineage of praise. Reconnect with your heritage of who you are. Amen. You're not uh, of a tribe of Benjamin. You're not of the tribe, amen, of Dan. You're of the tribe of Judah. Amen. You're of the tribe. I'm telling you, everyone under the sound of my voice, amen, is of the tribe of Judah. Amen. Somewhere, no matter what happens, we've got to understand, hey, this is really who I am. I'm of the tribe of praise. Hallelujah. It's a foundation. It's a foundation of every single one of those men. They were of the tribe of Judah. They were of the tribe of praise. Amen. To be mighty, you got to be able to praise no matter your circumstance. That's a sign of being strong when all else is falling around you. And someone sees and goes, look at them. I know they're going through trouble. I know they're going through financial issues and marital problems. But we see them praise and we go, God looks down and says, that's one of my mighty men. That's one of my mighty ladies. Though I slay them, Look at their praise. That's the foundational characteristic, amen, of a mighty man or a lady. Amen. Praise God. Of these approximately 400 men, the Bible records and gives the specific names, as we read at the beginning, of three men who stood out as above all of David's men. Amen. They were above all. They were, uh, they were of the mightiest of men. Hallelujah, that the Bible names them, amen, and specifically calls to attention, amen, not only their names, but gives the qualification as to why they became mighty, amen. I think it's important tonight we take a, a look. The foundation is praise. No matter your circumstance, we've got to praise. That's who we've got to be. If you're going to be mighty in the kingdom of God, it can affect your praise. Nothing can affect your praise. Amen. And we go on. Amen. At the mightiest of mighty. Let's take a look. Amen. And see what the qualifications of these individuals were. Amen. That we might live up to and become the mighty, mightiest of men and women. Amen. Amen. Even though, even more than their ability to praise in their circumstance, each of these men have an attribute each one of them have an attribute that made them stand out. Amen. The first of those, amen, of the men was Adino. Uh, El, or the, there was El, Adino, Eleazar, and Shammah. Amen. And the first of those were Adino. Second Samuel chapter 23 and 8 reads that uh, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite, that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800, whom he slew at one time. Adino slew 800 men at one time with his spear. Amen. He took his spear, amen, and began to slay 800 men. That's worthy 
of recognition in my book. <laughs> I'm telling you, 800 men, this man killed, a man of the enemy that he slew, not over the course of his life, but once he started, he didn't quit till they were all dead. Man, a Dino, an attribute, a characteristic, amen, a Dino had endurance. He endured. He says, once I start, I'm not stopping. Once I start fighting this fight, I'm not going to quit until every enemy is subdued. Amen. Did he know there was going to be 800? I don't know. Amen. But all I know is he killed 800. Amen. And had raised up his spear. And I'm sure if he would have counted, 799, 800. Okay, I quit going home. I think he just started fighting and started working for God. Amen. And by the time it was done, they started counting. Okay, how many did I kill? They started counting all the dead guys up and going, man, you killed 800 of the enemy. How did you do it? I don't know. I just started killing them until they all died. Amen. He endured. Amen. I'm telling you, he didn't leave one of them. He didn't quit halfway through and say, well, I'm kind of tired of this. Amen. He saw an enemy. And as the enemy came, he slew it. As another enemy combatant came, he slew it. Amen. He put his spirit to work and worked and worked and worked until it was all done. And all the enemies that were there were dead. Amen. The odds were one man against 800. Amen. But Adino, he just started to fight until every, every enemy was dead. Didn't quit at 10, didn't quit at 20, didn't quit at 100 or 200. But he was determined as long as the enemy came. Amen. He'd keep fighting. Amen. I'm telling you, the characteristic of the mighty men, the characteristic of the mightiest of men, amen, is the ability to endure, to the ability to engage an enemy. Amen. And endure until the end. Amen. Matthew 10 and 22. Jesus says, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. I'm telling you, if you're going to make it, amen, if you're going to make it, you're going to have to start fighting. I don't know how many you're going to have to fight until the day you die. Amen. But between now and then, amen, until that moment comes, you just have to keep fighting. You just got to endure. Amen. Here's another enemy. Oh, when's this going to stop? When you're done. That's when it's going to stop. When the enemy stops coming, that's when you quit. Amen. When you've got all the enemies subdued under your feet, the day you draw your last breath and stand before God, that's when we can quit. Endurance. He that endureth to the end. That's a characteristic. Amen. If you're going to thinking about quitting, if you're thinking about stopping, amen. If you're thinking this is just too tough, amen. I'm telling you what, uh, you, you just, you're not a mighty man because a mighty man endures until all every, every enemy is subdued. Adina was named and numbered because he just fought until the enemies were all under his feet. Endurance. Endurance. Praise God, a characteristic, a man of mighty men. Next was Eleazar. 2 Samuel 2, or 23, verse 9 through 10. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. Awesome name. The Aohite. Amen. I don't know where they come up with some of these names. Someday I will ask the Lord. Dodo, really? Like, Dodo. I just, anyway. And uh, Adino and Dodo. Praise God. 
help us. Amen. The son of Dodo, talking about Eleazar, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. Now get this. Okay, they, uh, when, the, 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 when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, the Philistines were gathered together, the men of Israel were gone away. He's standing alone. Everyone else left. But Eleazar says he arose. He smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. Interesting. Before the battle, everyone else left him. Eleazar was left to fight alone. He clave onto the sword. He said, if I die, I die, but I'm going to fight. I'm hanging onto this sword. When the battle was done, then happily the rest of the crowd came back and helped him spoil and take of the victory. Amen. Eleazar was numbered with the mighty men because he clave to the sword when everyone else left. He said, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on to the sword. You can leave. You can walk away. I don't need anybody else, but I'm going to hang on to my sword. I'm going to start fighting and start fighting. And he fought so hard that the Bible says his hand clave to a point where he could, you, couldn't, you couldn't pry the sword from his hand. I'm telling you, Eleazar stood alone, <laughs> alone, and defeated the enemy because he clave unto his sword. Why was he numbered? Amen. Why was he numbered? With the mighty men, Hebrews 4, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6 and 17. Amen. If he was going to survive, he was going to have to hang on to the sword to where he couldn't let go. Ephesians 6 and 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. He was numbered. A characteristic, amen, if you will, of a mighty man or a mighty woman, amen, of God, is someone that says, I don't care what happens. I'm going to cleave unto the word of God. I don't care who runs off the battlefield. I don't care who runs away. I don't care where they go. Amen. But a characteristic, Eleazar was numbered. Amen. It was picked out and chosen because he clave unto the sword and he didn't let it go. He didn't let it out of his hands. Amen. I'm telling you today, that's what we've got to do. That's a characteristic of a, of a mighty man or a woman is someone that doesn't leave the word of God. They cleave unto it. Amen. It's their bread. It's their life. It's their sustenance. Amen. They don't try to make it what it is, something it's not. Amen. A sword is a sword. That's what it's intended for. 
It's got a purpose. Amen. We try to dull the edge. You try to beat it into something else and try to make it a I'm telling you, a sword is a purpose. There's a plan. Amen. And Jesus' weakest, darkest hours in temptation. Amen. With Satan. He's, his, his answer always was, cleave to the sword and to the word of God. He says, it is written. When all else fails, when you're weak, and when you're going through it. The Bible says Eleazar was tired. Amen. He was weary. Amen. He, he, he wrought a great victory that day, but he says he was weary. But he clave unto the sword. When you're weak and you're tired, sometimes you just don't think clear. I fast for two or three hours. I start getting woozy and like, I can't think straight. I'm like, whew, oh man. It's like nine o'clock. <laughs> a long day ahead of me. Jesus fasted 40 days. 40 nights. When your mind's foggy and you just can't see straight. And when you're just not clear, a mighty man says, I know, I don't understand. I don't, I don't, it's, I'm just not making sense of stuff. God, help me make sense of my life. God, I don't understand why pastor's preaching this. I, it's kind of cut me wrong. It's kind of cut me wrong. I don't like the way it feels because you're, you're weary, you're clouded, your judgment's clouded. Amen. But when the word of God comes forth, you're a mighty man in the eyes of God. You're a mighty woman in the eyes of God when the word can come forth and you can say, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me, but I cleave to it. I'm going to cleave to it. I'm going to trust in it. Pastor, I don't understand why. Pastor, it sounds rough and pastor, it sounds mean and pastor, I don't get it. I don't, why, is, why are you being so rough? I don't get it, but I'm going to cleave to it because that's the mark and the characteristic of a mighty man. A weak man drops it and runs. A weak man will drop it and run and let those fight the good fight. And when the battle's over, they'll come back and they'll take and reap of the spoil. They want the joys and the victories, but they don't, aren't willing to fight. Amen. And pick up a sword and cleave. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, the mark and the characteristics of mighty men. We ought to get this. This, is, this, is, uh, this isn't uh, conference preaching, but this is tonight. I hope some, some, something to, to get us to another place and get us spiritually, amen, to another level, amen, in our life. Amen. Shama was next. Amen. Shama was the third. And uh, in 2 Samuel 23, 11 through 12, it says, And after him was Shama, the son of Agi, the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Shammah's great feat was he stood his ground and defended what was his. That's what he did. He defended what was his. Everyone left him, but he stayed and he fought and defended what was rightfully his. He was willing to die for that hill of beans because it was his hill of beans. He says, huh, you don't understand. This wasn't, I didn't go and buy this from realtor.com. Uh, this, this hill didn't come uh, by, by circumstance and just by accident. Uh, this was dad's hill of beans. 
Dad handed down this hill of beans to me. And granddad handed down the hill of beans, amen, to his uh, to, to my dad. Amen. And such we can trace back. Amen. Generation to generation. It may just be a hill of beans, but it's our hill of beans. And there's no Philistine going to come and take our hill. There's no Philistine going to come and take what's ours. There's no Philistine going to take us going over my dead body. Will they come and take? He planted his feet. He said, I'm not letting go of my heritage. I'm not letting go.